0: Anybody? How, how many of you? Are, let me ask it different. How many are ready for Christmas? Okay, there's a few. Maybe maybe half. Okay, those. Some of you are not ready for Christmas. I'm curious. What 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 would help you be ready? Those of you who are not ready, just you can just say it out loud. Time. Time, Time for what? <laughs> I feel circular reasoning coming. On. Okay. All right. What else? What else would help you be ready? If, if this was done, what would, what would help it be ready? Nobody getting the work done. Well, what's the work? Is it decorating? Is it shopping? What all of the above? Okay. Keep going. Okay. We're just adding to it. Okay. Well, let me ask the question a whole nother way. What helps you feel like you're in the Christmas spirit, the Christmas mood? What are some of the things that help you feel that way? music christmas music don't you love having the music around the the church now i love that we can do that and playing the christmas music what else helps you trees and lights christmas programs what else the children's play what else family okay christmas cards snow would be nice that would be nice I know my daughter was saying she saw some snow somewhere in the country. I don't know what she was talking about, but she, oh, I know what it was. They had watched, she had gone and watched White Christmas, and they had snow in that movie. So what else? Anything else? Traditions. The t- family traditions that you do. And I'm curious, just, this is totally unscientific, of course, but I grew up in a family, my mother's side of the family, which, which is who we mostly did Christmas with, we always did, our Christmas was Christmas Eve as a family, and we would, you know, read the Christmas story, and then open presents, and then Christmas Day, we enjoyed all that. But if we were with my dad's family, which only happened a few times probably growing up, then that was kind of, I guess, the more common Christmas Day. How many of you grew up celebrating Christmas on Christmas Eve? A few of us, a smattering. How many did Christmas Day, Christmas Day is the day? Okay, okay. And my wife's family, Nicole's family, they have kind of the best of both worlds. They do both. So what happens is they all get together. The whole family comes in. There'll be 60, 70 of them at grandma's house on Christmas Eve. And they, they start off. Everybody just comes in when they can. And um, they used to, this is comical, they used to roast um, sausages, not, not hot dogs, but like all sorts of spicy and whatever sausages in the fireplace till one Christmas Eve it caught on fire. They had a chimney fire, and this is out in Waverly, so you know you got volunteer firemen showing up to put that thing out. So now they have a painted fireplace in in the big family room, which used to be like a two car big car garage, and now that's the big family room. So it's a painted fireplace. But anyway, they do all that. And then play games, all sorts of table games, you know, different, different ages, different everything. And then close off the evening with Christmas carols, sing every carol you can imagine, and every verse. It's really amazing how they do that. And then uh, they end by singing happy birthday to Jesus, and then they open all the grandkids, not, not those of us who are older, but all the grandkids then have stockings that they open. Then uh, some go home, some stay there, and then everybody comes back in the morning Used to be seven a.m. Now it's eight a.m., <laughs> but everybody comes back together for a full-on country breakfast Christmas morning. So, kind of crazy. It's fun though. It is. So, uh, one of the things nobody mentioned here, which is something I really enjoy, is Christmas movies. Anybody else enjoy them? Oh, absolutely. And you, when you start seeing the ads for those come up, or the just the promos on TV, you know, I think ah, oh, it's coming close. And and now with uh, the the technology you can dvr these movies you know it used to be you had to buy all these things you know we used to have all these vhs tapes and dvds and now if we don't own anything we just record it and watch it so i thought we would do a little quiz here i was going to print it out and then i thought ah i'll just do it this way so i'm going to show you a picture it's not always the most famous picture from the movie cuz i thought that'd be too easy sometimes it is but i want you you out here to guess which the movie what the movie is okay are you ready Are you ready? Ready. That's not right. Here, let me go back. We got to go. Don't look. Don't look. Somehow we skipped ahead here. I don't know how that happened. Okay. What is this? Christmas story. It is. It's a Christmas story. That's right. What's that little boy's name on the lower left? Ralphie. Yeah, how could you forget that? That's one of my favorites. And what's this? We have our own elf here at the church. Does anybody know who? We have somebody who looks just like... Do you know who... (laughs) Yeah, I didn't say that out loud myself, but... Okay, and what's this one? Frosty. Frosty the Snowman. Okay, what's this? Some of you may be more familiar with this version. Oh, that was nice. That was the right... Was that Charlie? Nice, that was really nice. Okay. Yes, Home Alone. And... Miracle on 34th Street. How many had never seen this? Anybody? A few. Okay. This is one of the older ones. We haven't actually... I don't think my kids have ever seen this. How about this? Polar Express. Yep. And that's another picture from Polar Express. But... Okay. Polar Express. And? Rudolph. Rudolph. Right. And? <laughs> Christmas Vacation. All right. Um, okay. And? Yeah, the Santa Claus. Okay. And this is a tough one because I I really debated on which picture to show you because there are so many options and then so many versions of this movie. This is a scary one, by the way. Yeah, this is Christmas Carol. I, I don't know if I would show this to young children, this version. It's scary. And yeah, it is White Christmas. I don't think it's Holiday Inn. Yeah, I think it's White Christmas yep and yeah it's a wonderful life anybody remember the guy on the left yep i was i was trying to find one with clarence in it just because i wanted to but have you seen the movie you don't know who clarence is in the movie oh you need it you need to get that movie you need to see that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so back to the really what we're doing here tonight. Are you ready for Christmas? And I know I asked that a real, uh, earlier, but I, not that I don't care about all the other stuff, the decorations and the presents and all that, but to me, that's all secondary to real, the real being ready for Christmas. And I feel like there's times where I'm more or less ready for Christmas, the real Christmas, than others, and you may have that same feeling. But So as we kind of consider that tonight... I want you to do a, do a favor with me. I want you to imagine this scene, okay? Just imagine this. And I just put an image up for you to kind of clear your mind of all those other ones and to kind of put your mind on this. I want you to imagine this, that there's a huge rejoicing going on. It's like a party, and everybody's rejoicing and celebrating because the prince has been born. So it's near the throne, and there's this lively discussion going on about how are you going to introduce the prince How is it going to be done? And different people had different ideas. Some people said, well, well, let's write it in the sky. Let's use explosions and let's use earthquakes and let's use maybe, maybe have every mouth speak his name. Maybe have everybody see him at one time. And then one little voice pipes up and says, Hey, I think I I know what we should do. We should send one messenger and tell a bunch of shepherds. (laughs) Doesn't that seem a little anticlimactic? I think about this all the time. I'm so glad I'm God. I'm sure everybody's glad I'm not God, but I do, I, my idea of how I would do things is so different than the way God does things. You know, his, the Bible says his ways are different than our ways and higher than our ways, and that is true in every sense. Think about how he chose to announce the birth of the Son of God. I mean, think about where Jesus was before he was a hell a helpless baby. He was on the throne he was a king of kings, a Lord of lords. And then the idea that he was going to come and be this helpless little child. Who would have thought that? What an idea. But I think there's something that for us to learn in that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to two portions of scripture. Now, if you were here Sunday or Saturday, you've heard this before, but I, I figure you've heard it before anyway. It's not like you've never heard this, but we're going to read a couple passages of scripture that are going to be very familiar Christmas passages. So And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, <laughs> lying in a manger. I just laugh because, I, I mean, swaddling clothes, what is that? But everybody who's had a baby nowadays, they just wrap it up. We used to call it the burrito. But it's basically the same thing. They just wrap them all tight so they feel all nice and secure and warm. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, uh, the, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Here's the thing. God loves common people. Have you ever noticed that about scripture? It's not just for the fancy folks. It's not just for the wealthy. It's not just for the educated. It's not just for the people with positions of power or maybe a famous family name. It's not just for people with money. It's not like that. He comes to the common folks, which is good because that means there's room for you and me. Shepherds were not fancy they lived with their sheep. They stayed right with them. It wasn't a glamorous job, you know. There's a lot of jobs that you know. You, at, from time to time, you may think about maybe maybe what you you know some dream job you had as a child. Maybe you thought you're going to be a fireman or a policeman or an astronaut or something like that. As you think about jobs, f- shepherds weren't the most. That it wasn't really a high job. Smelled. Have you ever smelled sheep? They're stinky. The thing is, God loves common people and common jobs. That's the kingdom of God is made of that. You know partly why? That's the majority of us. I mean, how many people really are those other ones I mentioned? 5%, 10%? He loves us, the common, common people. That's who he loves. But it doesn't end there. Let's jump to Matthew. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, O And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too." After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. God likes wise men too. This is good. He likes both. I think there's times where we kind of maybe get an attitude and we maybe think that those who've maybe had things um, uh, easy in life don't deserve what they have. And and there's times where we can get jealous or envious or spiteful about it. But here's something I think we need to see from the story. God spoke to and revealed the birth of his son to the both ends of the spectrum here. One to the lowly shepherds, the common, common folk. And then the other was maybe not a ruling class, but they were definitely the educated, the rich, the learned, the aristocracy of the time. Both matter to him. To me, that's comforting because what it says is we all matter. Isn't that what most of us are asking Day in, day out. Isn't that what the cry of most human hearts are? Do I matter? Does it really matter? What am I here for? Does anybody notice if I come or go? Or if I disappeared, would it make any difference? If nothing else you should see in this story, it matters to God. Everybody matters. Every Everybody matters. Most of us have seen a nativity scene. And uh, as I look at this scene right here, I see the shepherds on the left and I see the wise men on the right and then Mary and her donkey, Larry, Mary, her donkey's name's not Larry. It's just that Larry and I have been having this conversation about whether or not Mary rode a donkey or not. So he was showing me this picture and said, well, see, there she is with the donkey. So the donkey's there. The sheep are there. The cow is there. The camel is there. They're all there. And when you look at the scene, what it, what it tells me is it just shows me a scene of peace and serenity and calm. And we've all heard the song, right? Away in a manger, no room for bed, right? And he, the baby doesn't cry. Remember that song? And the cattle, lo- the cattle makes their cattle sounds and he, he likes it or it wakes him up, but he doesn't cry. Remember all that? And who knows if that's historical or not. Regardless, that doesn't even matter. What I really wanted to point out by this is, when we see these two groups of people that really encompass all the ones that Jesus, that God chose to, to announce the birth to, you just have this sense of peace, don't you? Because they're in the right heart. They're ready for Christmas. You see that? Regardless of the shopping and the decorating and regardless of all the busyness, they're ready. They were ready for Christmas. But on the other hand, when you think of King Herod, you don't get that. You don't get a sense of peace and calm. Instead, what you get in verse 16 is when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. You don't get a sense that he is ready for Christmas Instead, what you get a sense of is hate and darkness and death. Who does that? Who kills little unknown little baby boys, helpless little baby boys? Who does that? Someone whose heart is not ready for Christmas. Not at all. So I want to ask you, ready or not? Ready or not, Christmas comes. You realize that, right? It's kind of like having the baby. Kylie just walked out, but I remember when we had our first child... Um, grace we we lived in la at the time and we were uh we, she had been up a long time my 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 parents were there and they were watching the clock and timing the contractions and and so um uh, nicole point uh, well anyway what happened was it was la i mentioned that right and the hospital we had to go to was in anaheim so we we're on the If some of you know the freeways up there we we're on the 91 freeway And traffic was thick; it was really bad. And so she kept telling me, "It's coming. I think it's coming right now." I said, "Okay, I'll drive in the shoulder. I'm cool with that. You know, maybe we'll get a police escort out of it. That'd be fun." So we get to the hospital, and those of you who've had babies, I can say all this because Grace has a concert tonight, and Nicole is there, so she'll never hear this. But um, so we get to the hospital. Guess what they said? Who can tell me? "You're not ready. You're not ready." (laughs) I mean, she broke into tears. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. She was ready dog on it. She was ready. And they said, "No, you're not ready." But they couldn't send us home, because traffic's so bad at that time of day, it's like pointless to send us home. So instead, they said, w- "What did they tell us? Who knows? Walk around. <laughs> so here we are, walking around the hospital. She's in that gown, you know, with no back, and uh, we're walking around the hospital. She had a little like house coat thing they gave her, and we're walking, and we're walking. and we're like, "No, no, we're ready. No, you're not ready." And then I remember the doctor came in, and he said, it was great, because I think we, she needed, I mean, I was, I'm not having the baby. So I, the doctor was a Christian, obviously, because he said, hey, here's the thing. We're, oh, we, you know, you're know you ready, but you're not ready. We, we can decide and choose a lot of things and set dates and times, but basically, the baby's going to come when the baby's going to come. <laughs> you just need to relax. And, oh, it was kind of funny, because you just look on her face. Can anybody relate to that? Okay. So the baby's coming, whether you're ready or not, it's going to happen. And it's funny because Christmas is like that too. Have you noticed? Christmas isn't like Easter. You know how they figure Easter? They base it off, a, off the first of the month and a new moon and all this, and it changes from, from year to year. Christmas is always December 25th. I mean, if you ask somebody, are you ready for Christmas? Very seldom do they say, well, when is it? They know when it is. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. Whether they're ready or not, though, is the, is the question, because it is coming whether you're ready or not. And Here's what I'm trying to get at here. Whether you know it or not, Christmas is going to come and go, and you can miss it for all the other things, and people do it all the time. The thing is, though, God will work with people who are prepared for his message. He will do it. A lot of people aren't ready. No matter what, no matter what happens, they're not going to be ready. The thing is, though, the shepherd and the wise men, they were ready. And I want to talk about that for just a few minutes. Here's something I never thought of till studying for this sermon. Those shepherds were, they knew all about sacrifice. Here's why. As I was looking into that just a little bit, you know, because I, I just love Christmas and kind of studying some of the background of it. Those shepherds who were, who were near Jerusalem like that, kind of between Jerusalem and Bethlehem, those shepherds had a very specific job. What it was is every good Jew was, cons- they were, they were um, expected to go to Jerusalem and offer sacrifices at, less, at least once a year. Anybody ever travel with a pet? I know, I know Simon has. I don't, you don't like that either, do you, Simon. He doesn't like traveling with pets, it, it, but some people do like it and, and some people have to do it, but I've never traveled with a wild animal. But can you imagine back in their day? I mean, someone would have to carry that lamb, right? If you're going to take a lamb to sacrifice and it's more than just a half hour walk, who wants to do that? So what had happened during this time in history is those shepherds were raising sheep to be used in sacrifice in the temple. Think about this for a minute. Those shepherds, they knew what was going to happen to the little baby lambs that they saw be born and that they raised and they kept them separate. Here's the perfect ones, the ones without a spot or blemish who are going to be reserved and set aside for sacrifice. They knew what that meant. It was part of their culture, it was part of everything. Do you, do you remember when the angel spoke to them? He said, The Messiah is born. That's not something you say to just anybody. But you say that to a Jew, what do you think they thought? They knew what it meant. Now, they couldn't have known that the the baby being born was going to be the sacrificial lamb to save us from our sins. But they did know what sacrificial lambs were because they raised them all the time. They were prepared, their hearts were ready because they knew the system. They couldn't have known what this little baby was going to do for us. They couldn't have known what he, what he meant to all history and all mankind. They couldn't have known that. But they did know what sacrifice meant, and they were ready for that. We know that the um, wise men were ready too. And I want us to think about this. This is just some conjecture, but I think it's really interesting. We, you think about, and, and maybe you've been curious about this. Last week, we spent a lot of time talking about the wise men. One thing I didn't bring up last week because I knew I'd bring it up this week is how did they know about this King of the Jews? I mean, Israel's not that big a place. You you could probably during this time in history, in the first century or the you know before A before BC, first century BC, you could probably live your whole life and never think about Jews or Israel or Jerusalem or any of that. But they did. Think about this: who was who do you know who was a prophet in the Bible and imprisoned in Persia? Daniel. Are you familiar with some of his prophecies? Do you realize that these wise men could have been very familiar with Daniel and his prophecies? Because he was, he was a captive in their land, quite possibly. We don't know that for sure, but it's possible. Let me ask you this. This is another just total conjecture. It's not in the Bible. I'm just saying, what if? What if there were prophecies of Daniel that didn't make it into the Bible? You realize that it's possible, right? I mean, we know that David wrote lots of songs and about half the book of Psalms are his. But there's probably things he wrote that weren't in there. We know that Paul wrote letters that didn't end up in the Bible. We have 1st and 2nd Corinthians, but in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, they mentioned two other letters to the Corinthians that we don't have any record of. Now, why that is, I believe, is that God intended for certain things to go in the Bible, so he guided and directed that. But what if, this is just a question, what if there were other things that Daniel wrote or prophesied that weren't important for us to know as Christians or as followers of Christ but that these guys studied and they were waiting for a very specific star at a very specific time that would announce the birth of the king of the Jews. We don't know. All we know is that when they got to Bethlehem, they said, where is the king of the Jews? We saw his star and they were sure of it. You know what that tells me? If nothing else, forget the conjecture, who knows about that. What it does tell me though, is they were ready. They were ready and prepared and waiting and when they saw the star, they didn't hesitate. They moved and went and followed it because they wanted to be ready. But how many of you have had this happen where things are happening around you and you're just kind of unaware of what's going on? Has anybody ever stumbled onto a parade? Or This happened to me last Saturday morning. I had to drive over to the church for something early in the morning. And I, as I was coming, I came the back way because, you know, I had to go buy McDonald's, right? So I came through the back way, you know, back there by rib crib and all that. And guess what I stumbled on? Some kind of crazy people running a crazy race early in the morning, all dressed like Santa and elves and junk. I'm like, really? I'm trying to get here by a certain time. And there's all these nutty people all dressed up, jogging at seven in the morning. <laughs> you guys are out of your minds. But that was happening. Here, here's my point. Was that happening whether I knew about it or not? Yes. Was it happening right by me? Yes. H- had I not driven that way, I would have never known. Because it started in the uh, Sporting... Ca- or no, um, the Independence uh, Event Center parking lot. And then it looked like what they had done is they just ran up to the end of the street and turned around over there by IHOP and ran back there. <laughs> I thought, I'm sitting here for 20 minutes free for you nutty people to just run up the street and run back. Couldn't you just be on one side of the street? I don't get that. But whatever... I wouldn't have never, ever known it was there had I not just stumbled on it. Do you realize that the birth of Christ happened much the same way? Yes, we know the shepherds were told and they went and saw it. Yes, we know that the uh, years, maybe a year later, year and a half, who knows, we don't know, but that the the wise men were told and came and saw the, the baby Jesus, right? But do you realize all this happened in somebody's backyard and they didn't even know it happened? Think about this for a minute. The angels were up in the sky, and I'm sure more people than just the shepherd saw it, but they probably didn't know what was going on. And it all happened, and they didn't know, and it was right there beside them. Same thing with the star. That star had to be very, very unusual. Think about it. Those wise men followed it from across other lands. Other people had to see it, but they didn't know what it meant because they weren't paying attention, and their hearts were not ready. Specifically, King Herod. He wasn't ready. It happened right in his back door, and it happened right under his nose, and he had no idea it was happening. Let me me draw a spiritual parallel here. If you resist what God is trying to do, and you're not open to what he's doing right around you, you can miss it too. You can miss the most important event in history just because you weren't ready and your heart wasn't open. And think about how it is. There's so many people, their hearts are cold and insensitive to God. And so the very things of God that warm your heart and speak to you, they don't even notice. They don't even see it. They miss all the, all the beauty of what Christmas is about in the songs. They don't see it. They don't catch those words because they don't mean anything to them. It's almost as if you're speaking a different language. <clears throat> Years ago, when I was a youth pastor in the LA area, there was a great fundraiser we used to do. You know, as a youth pastor, you're always trying to raise money for different things. So here's what we used to do. You know all the sitcoms that you see on TV? You know that laughter you hear? Used to be back years ago, they had a laugh track that did that. Well, they don't do that anymore. I don't know why, but they figured that natural, real laughter is better. I don't know why. But here's what would happen. You would, we would go to uh, watch a TV show being filmed and so you'd sit in these bleacher-type seats, and then all the sound stages would be in front of you. Most of them would have four or five different scenes. If you think about the shows you watch, there's only three or four or five scenes, and everything is filmed right there, and then the whole thing moves from scene to scene to scene. So what happens is, uh, to get tickets to all these shows are free, but sometimes they don't get enough people to watch the show, so they would pay youth groups, or any group, but they'd pay a youth group to go watch the show. So we'd make three, $400, if I could get like 40 kids there. So what I would do is I would charge the kids five bucks and I'd give them pizza and a soda for them to sit in traffic in LA on that one one freeway for an hour to get to a sound studio. And then we would watch a TV show and it could take anywhere from two to four hours, depending on how many takes or if something broke or whatever. So we'd watch these TV shows and then we would make 300 bucks. It's awesome. And then kids got to see the background and how a TV show works and all that. So one time we were watching um, uh, Boy Meets World. Anybody ever heard of that show? Remember that show? We're watching the show, and it was a Christmas show. Of course they filmed that like a month or two in advance. So we're watching the show, and one of my students, really sharp kid. Oh, 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 and what happens is they'll always have a comedian, usually someone you've never heard of, because they're just trying to break into the business. They try to keep the crowd engaged. And then if people are talking or or whatever, they're like, hey, hey, you gotta pay attention. And then when stuff's boring, like they're changing a set or something, that that guy will tell jokes or whatever. So it was one of those breaks. One of my really sharp kids raised his hand. The guy calls on him, and he says, hey, I love all the Christmas decorations, but why is it that you don't have any Christian decorations? And the comedian's like, what are you talking about? It's all Christmas. You know, he, goes, he goes, no, no, no. I love this kid. He's just so sharp. He goes, well, no, you've got the secular stuff. You've got Santa and all that. You've got the Jewish, the Hanukkah things. And uh, they even had Kwanzaa and stuff like that. He goes, but you don't have anything Christian. There's not one Christian, Christian uh christmas symbol up there the comedian's looking at it and he lays, well, what are you talking about here's my point he had no idea none this guy was a total secular guy just right over his head he looked back there wasn't anything christian no star no no baby jesus no manger no no nothing no nothing remotely christian in all of the christian holiday christmas and I, that was obviously intentional. And then, then I had to quiet the kids down because once, you know, sometimes with young people and they see get that red meat going, they really wanted to start a big, you know, religious argument. Like, come on, guys, just this is not, you're not going to win this. But here's my point just like Herod, all the beauty of the meaning of Christmas was right there, but nobody was seeing it. Completely, completely missed it. It was right there. Let's go. Let's talk just a few more minutes about, about, the, uh, about the journey of faith that was happening through this story. A couple of things here. Um, you know, Herod missed all that, but, but the others didn't miss it. I love the shepherds. I love their attitude. I pointed this out last week about the wise men. The shepherds say the same thing. There was never a hesitation or a doubt in their mind. They didn't say to each other, hey, should we go to Bethlehem and see if this is true? They didn't say that, did they? And if you think about it, if you're going to see an angel going to tell you something in the sky and then an entire army of angels, you know, tells you, I think you're going to believe it, right? But people don't. People don't trust it and they don't believe it. The thing is, it was a journey of faith for them, but they had no doubt. They they stopped and they went and they followed. They did it. And then Herod, when he hears about it, he says, king, what king? I'm the king. There's no other king. You would think that he would be excited, right, to hear about the king of the Jews? But no, he wasn't excited. Not only that, was he not excited? He was troubled and angry. His response to the encounter and the idea that God was visiting earth was anger and defensiveness. Before we get all judgmental on Herod, don't we do the same thing? Anytime our sin is exposed or we read something in Scripture that maybe is a little convicting... It's so much easier for us to nudge the person beside us and like, are you listening? He's preaching to you today. But when he's preaching to me, I don't want to hear it. And I get a little attitude, just like Herod did. And that was his response. His response was anger and defensiveness, just like what we do. Sadly, he didn't have the eyes of faith. What he had was a hard, angry, bitter heart. Christmas was right around the corner from him. The king of the Jews the king of Israel the king of the world was born just a couple miles from where Herod was and he didn't even know I wonder sometimes if it was a faith issue if part of it was for Herod and I don't know much about him I know he had a secular mindset he wasn't a particularly religious person he killed anybody who threatened his throne even his own children people said it was it was better to be well it was they they used to say that it was a horrible thing to be related to Herod because he would probably kill you if he thought you, he was a threat to his throne. But there's times where people object to uh, some of the supernatural things around the birth of Christ, you know, whether it was really a virgin birth or if the heavens really lit up with angels or if the star really moved. I mean, there's all these things people kind of question, and I get that. I, I don't mind people questioning things as long as they're really honest about their questioning, you know, and it's not just questioning to avoid dealing with reality, But let's see this for a second. I never thought about this. Last week we talked about the fact that the wise men took a lot of faith for them to make this journey, and there's no doubt about that. But there's definitely a price to be paid for the faith, even of the shepherds. I never thought about this before, but the shepherds, to leave their sheep in the fields, you realize they couldn't take them all into town. That wouldn't happen. They would have to trust and leave them. That was faith. But getting beyond all that, what I really want to get to today is the fact that Christmas is really about surrender. I I know when you hear about the true meaning of Christmas, this probably isn't what pops in your mind, but hopefully it will be one of the things that pops in your mind from here going forward. Dave, could you put some music on? I just want us to think about this in our personal life and in our heart tonight. Herod had a lot to lose for him. The Christ child being nearby was a threat And when he heard that there was a king of the Jews, he said, what, what king? And he desperately clutched for what what was maybe his identity or he clutched for power or he clutched for the things of this world. What did Jesus do? When Jesus was called to come and sacrifice his life for us, he left prestige and power and all those things that Herod was clutching for in an earthly sense Jesus had in the most real sense of all, and it wasn't something he clutched for. He gladly left all that and humbled himself to be born in the form of a helpless little baby. He walked with us. He he lived with us, experienced life with us. And ultimately let us persecute him and spit on him and drive nails in his hands and feet. Christmas is surrender. He surrendered everything to buy our freedom. That's what it is, really. I believe that God wants us tonight to be like those shepherds and be like those wise men and to not only come to him with faith like what we talked about last week, but also come to him in the humility knowing that it means sometimes giving up what we naturally would cling to i think some people are like the shepherds and they don't maybe the world doesn't consider them to have a lot of things and some people are more like the wise men and maybe they are educated and part of the aristocracy but then there's other people like Herod who are antagonistic and angry toward god and threatened by what they might lose if they follow him the thing that they don't see is christmas is surrender It's surrendering all of what we cling to and grasping to him. And in doing that, we actually win everything, everything, everything. Would you all just shut your eyes for a second? When I asked you earlier if you're ready for Christmas, I really didn't care about the decorations and all that. And I love that part, believe me. I'm so glad that our kids want me to put lights on the house because I love it that's not the real thing the most important part about being ready for christmas is whether or not you are ready to submit and surrender to this christ child because he has given up everything for relationship with you and there are things that you may need to give up to have deeper relationship with him even as i say that i wonder if somebody here's bristling just a little bit and saying Oh, no, I don't think so. Or maybe you're tempted to elbow someone beside you when he's really talking to you. So here's what I'd like to do tonight. As you spend just a few minutes in prayer, I just encourage you to search your heart. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you and search your heart. And to see if there's anything you need to sacrifice or change. Or what would it take for you to be responding to him just like the wise men and just like the shepherds? Hopefully none of us are in the, in the place of Herod today. Father, I pray for everyone in this room, for me included, and ask that you would speak to us tonight. Open our hearts and minds to you.